also wanted to mention to you today, Omar, as you see over here, is painting. And uh, folks have wondered what, what is exactly that he is doing. Well, he is led by the Spirit, and uh, he didn't just come here to put a studio in. He is led by the Spirit, and God sometimes will, what he'll do is give him uh, images to paint. And uh, what he does is he goes ahead, uh, he doesn't get them all done in one service, obviously. Um, and uh, then he makes them available for people that want them. And uh, all the monies go into our missions program to help uh, send money to our missions around the world. So um, if you're interested in what he's doing and what God's speaking to him, you should talk with him. And uh, he'll give you some insight into what, what uh, usually a lot of the stuff that Omar does, it's not till it's the completed project that you really see the whole Right now, it just looks like there's a spoon over there, doesn't it? Right? So, <laughs> but believe me, there's something going on. Amen? And, oh, are you? Okay, good. Yeah. So see, that kind of ties right into what I want to get into, and that is on uh, limitless perception. You know, we've talked about limitless faith. We've talked about limitless grace. We've talked about limitless wisdom, because we're talking about the limitless life, and uh Today, talking about how that God wants to work in our life with limitless perception to increase our understanding and our perception. And so you understand that two people can look at one thing going on and have totally different perceptions of what's happening or ideas about what's going on. And, uh, the, and, and it really says a lot about, one, the angle that people look at things, two, the person that's watching, how they see something happening, okay? So when, uh, you know, like uh, you might see uh, in a store, you might be like at Walmart, and let's say that you see a parent that is stopping what they're doing and disciplining their child in the aisle at Walmart, all right? Now, if you grew up in a home where there was a lot of discipline, you're probably thinking right on, right? You're thinking, Good, I'm glad they're dealing with that. That's good, you should deal with your children. If you didn't grow up in an atmosphere of discipline and your attitude is there shouldn't be discipline, you know, what they're doing, or they're embarrassing their kid because maybe your parents did something that embarrassed you one time, then your perception is, no, that's bad. No, that's bad. Archie Campbell, Did anybody know who that is? Okay. <laughs> Archie Campbell, you have to watch the old Hee Haw episodes, all right? And I know I'm dating myself here, but Archie Campbell is a barber, one of the characters that he did, and he did a whole skit that was called, No, That's Good, No, That's Bad. Yeah, and so somebody, the guy would go, well, that's good, and he'd go, no, that's bad. And so it's all about how we're perceiving things that are going on in our life. And perception is based off of the individual. Perception is based off what the individual has chosen to see, Okay. Now, God tells us that we can have limitless perception. We can have a, an unlimited perception in our life. I want you to look at that passage I gave you there out of 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says that we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are are eternal, okay? Now, if you drove past this building right here, uh, if you drove past this building 40 years ago, you know what you'd have seen here? Tractor dealership, right? Basil McKenzie owns, owned it. 
This was a tractor dealer, an international harvester tractor dealership. Right where you are sitting right now, they worked on engines in here. They worked on transmissions. His perception, his understanding of what this building was, was this building was a tractor dealership. But a bunch of people came along in the, in the 80s, and they really felt like that this building should be a church. And you know what it is today? It's a church. Very few people know that it was a tractor dealership. One, it doesn't look like a tractor dealership anymore. When you come in here, it doesn't look like it. doesn't smell like a diesel. doesn't smell like gasoline. doesn't smell like oil. It smells like church people, okay? <laughs> Whatever that smell is, all right? And when we all come together. But... <laughs> which for this church is generally coffee. So, uh, but yeah, hoorah, right. But, but, but just your understanding that, look, when we look at, we see things and we think that's what it's going to be like forever. Well, that's not what it's going to be like forever. This building is temporary. Its purposes are temporary depending on who's using it, who's, who sees the value of it. And that's why God is telling the Corinthians, he says, look, guys, he says, as you're going through this, he said, do not look at the things which are seen, but look at the things which are not seen. For what you see is only temporary. What you see around you is only temporary. What you see in the economy is only temporary. What you see in the world is only temporary. What you see happening in your family is only temporary, but the things that are not seen. Now, this is where the challenge is for us to have a limitless perception, the thing to be able to see things that Everybody else can't see. He said those things are eternal. They last forever. Those things that come from God. When we live in the temporary, it causes us to focus more on what we don't have and less on what we do have. When we live in those temporary moments, we, become, we almost become focused totally on what we don't have. Because we're like, well, I don't have this. When I get, you know, the idea that like, it's kind of like, um, I'll use working out as an example. Well, if I get the Peloton or I get the mirror that talks to me or I get the, look, or I get, the, if I get the Roadmaster 5000 or whatever, okay, then I'll really be able to work out. And that's really not true because the truth is that you already have the ability to work out you're just not doing it, okay? So you have two legs, you can go for a walk. That's working out, amen. You can go pick up a rock in your, you know, pick a rock up out of your yard and lift it up over your head. That's a workout. You got a tree branch out there. You could do a pull-up on it, maybe, <laughs> right? You can do push-ups on the floor. You can do sit-ups, all those things. You need zero equipment to do any of those things. But see, what happens is we, we begin to focus in the temporary, so we begin to look at things that are temporary as solutions to temporary problems. The, the issue is, is that only eternal solutions fix temporary problems. So the truth is, is that if we get all that equipment re realistically, and the whole industry knows this, that it will just become another thing that we don't use, right? 
the, the Peloton will become a nice clothes hanger where we put our laundry on. Um, you know, the weight machine, the everything. If you're not using, if you're not doing it now before you have it, you won't do it later when you do. Okay? Um, now, that's not true all the time, but most of the time. The Message Bible of this particular verse says this. There's far more than meets the eye. There's far more going on than meets the eye. The things we see now here are today will be gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now, they will last forever. So what we have to focus on and what God calls us to focus on is to focus on those eternal things that are lasting through generations, the things of his word, the things that he teaches us. See, the eternal focuses us on what we do have and less on what we don't. For example, just to kind of laying this out in a spiritual perspective. When do you get eternal life? When do you get eternal life? You get eternal life the day that you receive Christ. Okay? Eternal life does not mean you live eternally because everybody lives eternally. The spirit never, never, I mean, the spirit may leave the body, but the spirit never dies because it comes from God. So you'll live eternally. What Jesus came for was so that we would live eternally in a relationship with the Father and with, and with Him. That's what John 17, 3 tells us, that this, you know, this is eternal life, that you can know the Father and you can know His Son. So you can be in a relationship with the Father God, not when you get to heaven. See, that's a great deception that the church has had. We, we tend to have that mindset that, well, it won't get better till we get to heaven. The truth is, is that you, you have been given eternal life, the life of God, a relationship with Almighty God, the day that you accepted Christ. Your life can be better now. It may not be better now, but it can be better now because of who you're in relationship with. Amen. So all of life tries to focus us in the temporary. When I get to the next thing, when I do the next thing, we get that destination disease. Well, when I get to this, then I'll be able to do this. When I get a better job, when I'm, you know, when I'm making so much money, when I, when I meet the right person, when I, all the things that we get this destination disease, and what happens is we keep thinking, well, when I do this, and the truth is, is that we will always bring the world around us to the image that is within us. We always do. In uh, psychology, they will tell you that people that have trouble with relationships, the reason they do is because they keep setting themselves up for relational failure. They hijack the relationship. They could have a good relationship with someone, but because they've had bad relationships with other people, they'll bring those bad relationships into those new relationships and therefore they will hijack because they have already predetermined that relationship will not work out. Are you all with me? You always bring the world in you to the image that is within you. So if we focus on the eternal, then what happens is, is that we have a heavenly perspective about life. And we're not waiting until we get in the sweet by and by, you know, the someday I'll fly away and everything will get better and all that idea. But we start thinking about what Jesus said, that the thief came to steal, kill and destroy. But I've come that you could have life and you could have it more abundantly, not when you get to heaven, but starting right now. 
Now you say, well, pastor, does that mean all our problems will go? No, it doesn't mean all your problems. That's not what he said. He said, you're going to have a different perspective about life. One, you're going to have a perception that there's always a better life for you. Always. No matter what circumstances you're in. That's why he said in Romans chapter... Are you all here this morning? You look at me kind of funny. Romans, that's why he said in Romans uh, chapter 8, he said, look, there isn't anything that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Height, death, depth, life, death, famine, nakedness. He said in all these things, you'll always be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, who loved you and gave himself for you. Now, what does that do for the believer? That takes the believer's mindset out of the temporary life that you and I live every day, what's going on, and places a heavenly perception, an eternal perception on what's happening in our life, that we are more than just the day-to-day. We are more than just the week-to-week. We are more than just 2020. We're more than 2021. We're more than February's goals and March's goals. There is a much greater eternal perception that we are to have in our lives. In fact, it's interesting, and we won't look at this this morning, but if you looked in the book of Genesis, chapter 13, and I encourage you to do this on your own, you see the story about the two men, Lot and Abraham, Abram. And they're going to come to a place where their cattle becomes so big, the, the, their resources become so big, that Abram says, look, this is not working out. We're going to have to go different directions. And so they separate it. And it tells you in the scripture that Lot, in Genesis 13, that, that Lot set his vision toward Sodom, okay? He set his vision toward Sodom. Now, he didn't go to Sodom, but he set his vision toward Sodom. The problem for Lot was is he kept his tents focused on Sodom. It said he put his tent toward Sodom. So that means every day he kept where you look is where you'll eventually be. And so he ended up eventually not just looking at Sodom, but ended up living in Sodom. Or as my grandmother used to say, if you hang around the Slippery Creek Bank long enough, you're bound to fall in. Where you keep looking, that's where you're going to end up, okay? So when, when, when Lot separated, that's what he was looking at. That's where his vision was. That's what his perception was. And it, it started looking at the whole valley, that it was very watered and it was beautiful, and then it ended up that that's, and he, and he lost everything when he, went, when he ended up in Sodom. Now, Abram, on the other hand, God says to Abraham in Genesis 13, once Lot is separated, he said, I want you to look to the north, I want you to look to the south, and I want you to look to the east, and I want you to look to the west. And this is what God said to him, as far as you can see, that will I give to you. I want to give you a word of encouragement today. That's what God's saying to you. As far as you can see, that is what I will give to you. Henry Ford said it like this, you know, uh, the maker of the automobile, he's, or the, the, the mass production of the automobile. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. You can't. A buddy of mine, a guy that lifted weights, he was pretty, you know, he was a pretty tough guy. And uh, he had a dream to lift 300 pounds. I mean, that's what he wanted to be able to do, to bench press 300 pounds. And he'd get on there, and they'd put 295 on, and he could bench that. Then they, th- he could get put on 300, 
and he couldn't break through. He just couldn't break through, couldn't break through, break through, because in his mindset, what he had trained himself to think was 300 is going to be the hardest thing I'll ever do, and so I won't be able to do it. And every time he'd get on that bench, he couldn't lift 300. He'd get it to his chest, try to push it up, and couldn't, he'd go to failure. So the guys, they were doing their sets, and, and uh, his name was Shane, and they said, Shane, it's your turn. And he got on the bench, and, and he pressed the weight that was on the bench. And guess what it was? It was 300 pounds. But see, they didn't tell Shane what it was, so he didn't have the mindset to think. He thought it was still in the 290s, and he knew he could do that. But he didn't believe he could do the 300, so they tricked him into being able to do the 300. Now, could he have done the 300 before? Absolutely. But his mindset, I'm not trying to do a psychology thing here. I'm just telling you that God tells us in his word, as far as we can see, so let's put it like this. The only limitation in my life is me. Oh, no, no, pastor, it's people. Okay, well, see, there's your 300 pounds. What's well, who I'm married to? Well, there's your 300 pounds. What's well, how much money? I, well, there it is. See? Well, it's who's in office. There you go. Now, stay with me now. See, what you believe is where you will go. What you see, God gives us limitless perception to see beyond the environment that we're in to the more eternal realm where things are not where all the temporary things can change. All the things that look like they can't change will change because of the eternal processes, not because of the temporary processes. Boy, Pastor, that is so good. That is so good. You know, in the garden, Adam and Eve, you know, they're going through this whole deal. God gives them everything. I mean, really he did. He gave them everything. Gave them, gave them the tree of life to eat from. Gave them this wonderful garden that watered itself, and I mean, you know, they were just told to tend it and to keep it. So they had everything that they needed. They had all the food they need, all the resources they need. They had all the protection they need. They had to do their part was to guard and protect, and that meant to keep out things that don't belong in here, okay? That's what it meant. Keep out the things and take care of the things that are, that are here and get rid of the things that don't belong here. So the serpent shows up one day, and, of course, in the, in, in it's the devil. I mean, that's what the scripture, it's Satan. And he's come, and what he does is he gets them to focus on the one thing that they don't have in the garden. To eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, here's the thing. And this is where a lot of believers get confused about this. They already knew what good and evil was. Because you know who told them what good and evil was? God told them what good and evil. He said, don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from that tree. And here's why. Because I'll tell you what's right and what's wrong. The serpent comes and says, no, you don't want God. And that's how he basically phrased it. You don't, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he knows in the day that you eat from it, you'll be like he is. So what did they want? They didn't want God to tell them what to do. They wanted to be able to tell themselves what to do. They wanted control, right? So how did they end up in trouble? They looked at the tree. You read it in Genesis chapter three or chapter two. They looked at the tree. They saw 
that it was good to eat. Notice all the visionary things that are happening in this verse. They saw that it was good to eat. What they saw, they reached out and grabbed hold of. And, you know, they've got to be thinking at this point, well, God said, don't eat from it and don't touch it. And here they're touching it and they're not dead. So must be okay. Must have been God lied to us. Must be the serpents, right? Then they ate from it. And the day that they ate from it, then they all of a sudden, this, the, they didn't know, look, they didn't know good and evil any better than they did before they ate from the tree. The problem was they knew they were separated from God. Remember, Jesus came to unseparate us from God. Unseparate us. To take down the wall, the barrier of sin that stood between us and the heavenly realm. That's what Jesus came to do, to give us life and life more abundantly. That wall that came up that day, they knew. They were ashamed. They were scared. You know why they were scared? Because they'd never been like that before. It wasn't that they had a greater awareness of good and evil. Because, see, if that was true, then, you know, it would, it would seem that a rational person would just choose to do the good things because they know that all the good things will produce good things in my life and all the evil things will produce evil things. Man has no discernment over good or evil, any better than he did in the garden. The issue was is that man has chose to be his own God, and when man chooses to be his own God, he chooses a pathway of destruction for himself. That's good preaching, Pastor. So what, what God, Jesus came to do was to restore. So anyways, and that's why God said, look, we got to get these guys out of the garden here because if these guys eat from the tree of life, They'll, they'll live forever and they'll just make so many bad choices throughout eternity in the, in, on the earth that they'll completely wipe out all of mankind. So we've got to get them out of the garden here. They can't, they, can't eat from, they can't eat from that tree. And they were separated. Death means separation in Scripture. Okay? Separation. Now, what Jesus came to do was to give us back perception. Am I going too deep here? I don't want to get too deep. I, I just want you to understand that, look, a lot of the stuff that, you know, we learned in Sunday school about the, I mean, isn't always true just because we learned it in Sunday school and they had a nice flannel gram up there and showed us, you know, Adam and Eve. The truth is, is, is that the real sin that happened was at that day, man chose to be his own God. That's what really happened. And it led to death, separation. It led to separation. So how do you and I gain a heavenly perception? And how do we keep that in our lives? How do we keep that kind of perception? Well, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is out of Isaiah 50 and verse 7. And uh, I think this is just such an encouragement for all of us. And, it, and basically in the, in, uh, in the King James Version, it says that I have... The Lord God will help me, therefore I have set my face like a flint and know that I will not be confused or confounded. Isaiah 50, verse 7. The message translation of this particular verse says it like this. Because the Lord God helps me, I will not be dismayed. Therefore I have set my face like flint to do His will. Now listen, to do His will, and I know that I will triumph. I will triumph. 
So here you've got this whole world thing going on around you all the time. And in the midst of it, what is that world trying to say to you? You will not triumph. You will not succeed. You will not overcome. You will fail. You will fail miserably. You'll, you know, you're going to die. You're going to be broke. You're going to get cancer. You're going to, on a, you know, your marriage is going to fail, on and on. Now, you're going to be alone. So all those things, that world is feeding back into us. It comes at us from all different directions. It comes through family, comes through friends, comes through media, comes through all these different aspects to our life. What we have to do is we have to determine from the Word of God, because He says, I'm going to do your will. So I'm setting my face like a rock. What does that mean? That means that, look, I shall not be moved. I am not going to move to the left or to the right unless God says move to the left or move to the right. Anything other than that is too familiar to the Garden of Eden of man trying to be his own decision maker. So what do we do to keep things in perspective? And what do we do to, to be able to, we have to set ourselves in our life to do his will, to set our face like a flint, that no matter what, I'm going to do his will. You know, one of my beliefs, and, and I shared this back in the early parts of the pandemic situation, that look, I absolutely believe in submitting to authorities. I do. I believe in submitting to those authorities that are over us, unless, unless it violates what I believe the Bible says. Okay? Because the Bible is the higher, the Word of God is the higher power. And so whenever, whatever's going on around us, look, I, I'm willing to stake my life on doing what the Scripture says to do. No matter what. Somebody had asked me, they says, well, what if you get, you know, what if you get thrown in jail for having church services? I said, well, I'll be in jail and I'll serve God and I'll lead people to Christ in jail and I'll preach and they can't shut me up. Amen. Amen. And fortunately, if they won't let me have a Bible, I've got enough of the Bible memorized that I could be able to talk about the Bible without having to have a Bible in front of me. Glory to God. See, the temporary tries to get us focused, and when you focus on the temporary, the outcome will always be fear. Okay, I'll give you an, a great example of this. Have you ever had a good day, a really good day? Like, I mean a really awesome, everything was working out, everything was going right. But when that good day happened, would you be willing to admit that in the back of your mind, there was always the thought, but a bad day's coming? Today is great, man. This is awesome. Everything. I didn't burn any food. I didn't, you know, I didn't gain any weight. I, you know, it's an awesome day. Wow, this is, the car worked right. Everything worked right. This was really great. But see, there can, do you know that people that are having great days can actually have knots in their stomach because they're thinking about the future? And here's what we have to do. We have to unfocus from the temporary. I'm not talking about burying your head in the sand, but I'm saying that you take your eyesight off of that which is temporary and start focusing on that which is eternal. So how do we get into that place? Well, you've got to examine your heart. Ask yourself the question, what, are you what am I looking at? What things am I looking at in life? What things are in front of me? What things are, you know, what things are leading me? What things are guiding me? 
you know, where am I at right now spiritually in my relationship with Christ? You know, if you're not in a good place, you need to know you're not in a good place. It's best just to admit it. You don't have to admit it to other people, but you can admit it to yourself at least and say, look, I'm not in a good place right now, but God, I'm asking you for help. You don't have to put it on Facebook. You don't have to Twitter it. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to put it on Instagram and on your stories, wherever those are at, Snapchat and all the other stuff, that I'm, having a, I'm, I'm not in a good place, Okay. One, all the advice you'll probably get will be wrong, so don't even go there. Go to God who will give you the right advice or go to spiritual leaders who can help you. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you. you look, if this is given to you, you ought to allow it to happen. The Holy Spirit is sent as the, comfort, as the comforter, the paraclete, the one called alongside us to help us. So, look, if that's given to us, we ought to say, Holy Spirit, guide me here. I need help. As many as are led, Romans 8 says, led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons and daughters of God, the children of God. So ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So everything the Holy Spirit's going to talk to you about is going to have a future for you and a hope for you. Can you say amen? Whatever the Spirit speaks to you, make sure that you write it down. That shows value to you that you actually, you know, I know, uh, you know, if you, value, if you value something, you write it down. Someplace, you know, or you make a note of it. I make a lot of notes in, uh, on my iPhone when I'm driving, not necessarily when I'm driving, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Uh. Well, you know, they have a voice thing on there you can push, right? Of course, I almost hit somebody trying to find the voice thing, so where is that? I kept hitting it. Anyways, but write it down. You know, if I told you today, I said, look, I got a million dollars buried down in the field by my house. Now, let me tell you how to get to it. I got a million dollars buried underground in a, in a case uh, down on my property. Let me tell you how to get there. So I start telling you, now here's what you're going to have to do. You go over to this tree, and then you walk five paces. After you walk those five paces uh, south, you're going to turn to the right, and you're going to walk three paces to the west. After you walk those five paces. Now look, we could go on and on here, and I keep telling you how to get there. But I can tell you this, no matter how much you value that getting to that million dollars, if you didn't write it down, you're going to be calling me back up asking for directions again. That's why we write stuff down, so we'll remember it, so we can run with it. You know, he that reads the Bible says, write the vision, that, that he that reads it can run with it. You run with what you read, you, if you can go back and look at it. So the Holy Spirit's talking to you, he's telling you things, this is what I want you to do. This is, a lot of what I preach and a lot of what I do is just by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, you know, and it's weird, I don't, I don't control when it happens, sometimes it's in the shower and I have to stop and, you know, and yell to Siri, or sometimes it's in the... Um, you know, I'm just like, I got to just stay focused on that because when I get out of the shower, I need to make sure I write that down. Or I wake up in the middle of the night and get something. Or, or I'm, you know, whatever, in the car. You understand what I'm saying? You, you can't control when it comes. You don't get to put time frames on God. Okay? So when God speaks, you listen. He's like E.F. Hutton. You stop what you're doing. You listen to what he's saying. 
and you write it down. Don't just think it, ink it. Make sure that you're getting stuff written down as God speaks to you because here's what happens. As you write it down, you're able to run with it later on. You're able to run with it later on. Man, that is good. And then here's number four, and we'll finish up this morning. Start today. Start doing it today. Don't wait. Don't wait till, well, starting tomorrow morning. No, do it today. Where are you? What's going on in your life? What kinds of things are, are you struggling with? What kinds of things are, where's your vision today? What are you, what's your mindset upon? All those things, all those things, they're either going to make fear or they're going to make faith. I'll just give you a true testimony about myself. At probably the, the height of the pandemic, you know, when things were getting really crazy and we were fighting through stuff and, you know, we had things are being said and some of my pastor friends are being persecuted and, I mean, it was just, it was just crazy, okay? I ended up with an ulcer in the midst of it. Because I was worrying about stuff I had no control over. And I mean, it was, getting, it was getting worse, and it was getting worse, and it was getting worse. And I, I, I was like, you know, at first I was like, you know, I started having some problems, and I thought, well, you know, that'll, that's a, that'll go away. Maybe it's just indigestion. But see, it didn't go away. And then the next day, I still had it. And then the next day, I still had it. And I just kept doing what I was doing. And, you know, and, and see, I'm, I'm, I'm like most people when I'm dealing with fears. I don't necessarily talk about them. I just internalize them. Right? Does everybody know what that's like? Yeah, sure you do. You know, we just keep it. It's just happening, but it's happening in here. So I'm like going through all this stuff. And, and I mean, there were a couple of days I sat down in my prayer room and I broke down crying. I don't know what was going on. I got super depressed. And, you know, but I know that there's a better life. And so I'm fighting through all of that. So, and I know that it's not God that's doing this. It's me. This is stuff that I'm letting happen to me. And I don't know how I got into this place. And the Lord started saying to me, well, one, you need to stop watching all that stuff you're watching. Stop staying glued to the, you know, the reports and all the stuff and wanting to know everything. And he said, and start looking to me. Start focusing on what I'm saying. Get out things about, start listening to things about faith instead of listening to all this stuff that's generating fear. All right? So I... So that's what I started to do. Well, I was really still struggling, man. I had, I had GERD from it, you know, that acid reflux stuff. I mean, I had all these problems. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to end up on medication. I'm going to end up, you know, and I'm like all you guys when I'm dealing with symptoms. I get on WebMD and try to figure out, right, you know, and see if I have some way I can fix this myself, you know. And I'm not, you know, they're like, don't eat spicy food. But I like spicy food, right? So I'm going through all this struggle. And in the midst of all of this struggle, now I'm totally healed today. Praise God. I mean, thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. I mean, I'm doing great. But what happened was, is, is that I had to change in here. I'm not talking about my eating habits. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about I had to change because I ate a real spicy brat yesterday. Glory to God. And said, <laughs> and said take that devil. You do not have control over me. Hallelujah. Amen. Hey, you got to celebrate your victories where you get them, right? And uh, so, and I didn't get all sick and upset and, you know, and struggle for the rest of the day like I felt like demons were dancing in my stomach. 
I had to change here. Stop looking at what's temporary. Start looking at what's eternal. The grass withers. The flower fades. The word of the Lord endures forever. Stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. Hey, if you would this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're struggling in any way, and this is, this is not, nobody's looking around. We're not on camera here today, um, right now. Um, if you're struggling, I mean, if you're really having a tough time, I would just like to ask you if you'd just lift your hand up in the air right now. Thank you. All over the building. If you're going through a struggle, stuff is just this stuff that you're dealing with is just weighing heavy on you. It's manifesting physically for some of you. If you're going through that, maybe it's nothing to do with what's going on in the financial political scene, but it's stuff that's going on uh, in your health, things that you're battling through, things that you're battling through in your family and you're really fighting fear. I just want you to lift, just, if you lift a hand, keep it up in there so I can pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, all over the building, you see these hands, Lord God. Father, I pray right now for supernatural perspective Lord, as these folks today recognize where they are, as they just before you admit, God, this is where I'm at. Lord God, that you take them to the place as the Holy Spirit begins to speak to them and begins to talk to them and as they begin to write it down. I declare that this week over their lives, Lord God, that they will hear your voice clearly. Lord, that they will know what they need to do. They will know, like the sons of Issachar, Lord God, we are a people, as your Bible, as your word says, uh, Lord, we are a people that we are able to discern the times. We discern, Lord God, today that this is the greatest hour for the church ever. We refuse, Lord God, to discern that this is the weakest moment for the church ever, that this is the tiredest moment for the church ever, that this is the most corrupt time for the church ever. Lord, we discern that this is the most powerful, absolute, incredible moment for the church. In fact, I'll even say it like this. As, 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 uh, as uh, Mordecai spoke to Esther and said, God has raised you up for such a time as this. And Lord, I declare that over your people, Lord God, that this week, your spirit is speaking to them and guiding them. Chuck, go ahead. Is Chuck here? Where is he? Yeah. That, Lord, you're speaking to your people and you're giving them guidance and direction, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, that they start today in the name of